0: song was a test of your multitasking skills. I didn't do so well at first, but I did a lot better at third. But to be able to see those words and then the pictures that Pastor Evan chose are fantastic. What a beautiful, what a beautiful way to start this time of thanksgiving. Acts chapter 18, verse 18, we find these words, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Now, there's a lot said right there, and, and it's quite remarkable what's taking place here and what is about to take place. And just so you understand what's going on here, we talked last week about. Paul's journeys and the way that the Holy Spirit led Paul sometimes very obviously so that he knew exactly he was being led other times the Spirit managed to get him where he needed to be without Paul even realizing he was doing it this is how the Spirit works in our lives when we're open to the leading of the Spirit But what's happening here, so this is Paul's second missionary journey, and you remember he wanted to go to Asia, but he was kept from the Spirit by going there, and he went to Macedonia, and then came down to the region where Corinth is found, and he's been staying in Corinth for quite a while now, but now it's time for him to leave, and it just so happens that as he's about to leave, he takes with him Priscilla and Aquila. Well, who were they? They were a Jewish couple who happened to be tent makers that Paul encountered when he arrived in Corinth well what in the world were they doing in Corinth did they live there no Priscilla and Aquila were from Rome but they got thrown out of Rome because the Emperor at that time decided there couldn't be any Jews in Rome so he threw them out and they ended up in Corinth now you can imagine in your mind when Priscilla and Aquila got thrown out of their home they thought what a disaster our life is over Little did they know that their great purpose for God was only just about to begin because once again God has used a decree, and in this case an unjust one, of an earthly ruler to get two of his people exactly where they need to be at exactly the right time because they met Paul there and Paul taught them about Jesus and now they've bonded with Paul and Paul is headed out and so Priscilla and Aquila are going with him we read on before he sailed he had his hair cut off at Senchrea because of a vow he had taken sometimes I think uh, our our failure to participate in some of the physical expressions of the faith is really to our detriment it would be kind of fun if we could make a vow and then shave our heads when we were done. Uh, you know, boy, we don't ever do anything like that. There's, there's some good stuff in there that uh, we just lost touch with. Some of us don't have to do so much <laughs> to shave our heads. Verse 19, they arrived at Ephesus. Ah, Paul finally gets to Ephesus. He's been wanting to go here. They arrived at Ephesus. Where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila, he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Remember that line we always want to remember? Where do you see yourself in five years? Well, if it's God's will, start with that. Then he set sail from Ephesus. But now, did you notice What happened with Priscilla and Aquila? He left them in Ephesus. Okay, well that can't be important, right? Oh yeah, you're gonna see in a minute how important that was. When Paul landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. Antioch is where it all started. That's where Paul and Barnabas were first set apart to go on their first missionary journey. Now he's gone on his second trip, come all the way back, gone to Jerusalem, went back to his home church, fellowshipped with his people for a while. But apparently, once that apostle reality sets itself up in someone's life, they can't stay very long. Verse 23 After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. So we talked about this on the map last week. This is the area in what we today would call Turkey, and he's traveling through Syria and then up across through that region and building up all the churches that he had started. Now, verse 24, very interesting. Meanwhile… When you hear meanwhile, what does that mean? That means this was going on at the same time that was happening. So at the same time Paul is over here busy, something else is happening. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. All right. Now there's already a ton communicated here. First of all, Apollos is a Jew. But secondly, let me ask you. How many good Jewish mothers named their son Apollos? So he's a Hellenized Jew, obviously, named after a Greek god of all things. He's from Alexandria. Do you know where Alexandria is? It was a great big city on the north end of Egypt. And who's it named after? Alexander the Great. This city of Alexandria became the prominent city in Egypt. Now, historically, Egypt had been this isolated power, isolated by the deserts and the coast, and the great power of Egypt was along the Nile River. But once the conquerors managed to get there and to defeat Egypt, suddenly the focus of Egypt shifted from internal along the river to external, going out from the sea. And Alexandria became the most prominent city in Egypt because it sat right there on the coast. There was the great lighthouse in Alexandria. There was a great library in Alexandria. So, what would we expect from someone who came from Alexandria? Well, I think we expect what we get. We read on He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. Now, Those are different things sometimes, aren't they? There's such thing as a learned man, but you can be a learned man or woman and have no knowledge of the Scriptures. Or you can be somewhat unlearned in the ways of the world, but extremely knowledgeable in the Scriptures. It's really nice if you can have both, but if you can only have one, take the knowledge of the Scriptures. But this was a special guy. Apollos, a Jew, schooled in the Jewish teaching, but also obviously a fluent Greek speaker. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of Scripture. Verse 25, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. All right, now we're going to step back from a second before we unpack that last phrase, And just think about Apollos for a minute here, because what I described to you, is that not the description that every search committee is looking for in every pastor they've ever gone looking for? I mean, seriously, a learned man, thorough knowledge of the Scripture, instructed in the way of the Lord, spoke with great fervor, and taught about Jesus accurately? I mean, is that not exactly what we think we want? I can't help but think that this Apollos must have been a very charismatic person. And he spoke with great fervor, and, and in fact, he will go on and he will do a lot of great things as an evangelist, so much so that you'll read in the, in the book of Corinthians, it says some of you say you follow Paul, some follow Apollos, some follow Cephas or Peter, and some follow the Lord. Well, we know all about Peter, right? We know all about Paul. How in the world did Apollos get on equal ground with those two guys? And then there's also the people who say about Paul that he's not a very good speaker. I wonder if part of that was because Apollos was such a great speaker. I can't help but think that he was very gifted by the Lord, but he knew only the baptism of John. What does that mean? Well, we're going to flesh that out in a minute. Verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and now two people are going to reappear in this story. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Isn't that interesting? One good lesson there. If you ever hear someone up front speaking and that you don't think they're speaking adequately, don't call them out right there. Invite them over. Spend a little time at the house. I think that's a good lesson. Another good lesson here is that the Lord uses different people to accomplish different things, doesn't he? You see, the Lord knew that Priscilla and Aquila were really good at having a house church and at discipling people and fostering their development, and so the Lord sent Apollos to where Priscilla and Aquila had ended up. Can anybody say divine appointments here? to be where the Holy Spirit wants you, even though you don't know it all the time, sent Apollos there, one who would become a great evangelist for the Lord so that he could learn at the feet of two lay people, Priscilla and Aquila. You don't have to be a pastor to make a difference for God's kingdom. You just have to use the gifts God has given you and do the things he's asked you to do. They explained to him the way of God more adequately. Verse 27 When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, that's the region of Corinth, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate proving from the Scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Apollos was exactly the one that God needed in Corinth after Paul had started the church because of the opposition that arose. He needed someone like that to come in and do what only Apollos could do. But Apollos wasn't ready until he learned there was something more than the baptism of John. What was that about? Well, Acts chapter 19, this is the very next chapter, verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So, Paul and Apollos weren't actually in Ephesus together. So, Paul was there briefly, left Priscilla and Aquila, went on his way. Apollos shows up, and then Apollos leaves and goes to Corinth, and meanwhile, Paul arrives. There he found some disciples, this is Paul, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, this is a rather startling reality here because these are people who have been taught about Jesus and believed, yet don't know the fullness of what the Lord intended for his followers. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. Now, understand this. This is an important distinction that we need to understand. There is a reality of baptism that is all about repentance of sins... And the washing away of sins, that is the going down into the water. But you don't stay under the water, right? At least you better hope you don't. You're supposed to come back up. And if you have a decent pastor, they'll bring you back up out of the water. But to what? To a new life. And that was the fullness. It was the fullness of what John initiated, but what John himself could not himself know because Jesus had not yet gone to the cross and opened the way to the fullness of life. So they only knew the baptism of John. Verse 5, On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. So what I want you to understand is that what we've been called to is, yes, repentance from the acts of evil. But not just that also into new life in Jesus. But here's the thing about that. To live new life in Jesus, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit.
1: until you stay up, come, and chase the other things away fill me up on the Holy Spirit fill me up to the top of my soul fill me up come the Holy Spirit fill me up now and take control fill me up come the Holy Spirit fill me up come the Holy Spirit now my heart is an open door Welcome Lord Fill me up on the Holy Spirit from. Fill my heart now and let it grow me, come, it And change my life so all
0: One question we've been asking since we started this series, Fresh Wind, is what would I become if the Holy Spirit came upon me? We talked about this repentance, yes, but then this new life in Christ. What is this new life in Christ? Well, there's several things to it, and a couple of those things that I want to talk about right now we call gifts. And fruits. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So when the Spirit comes on you, The Spirit gives gifts, and they're not all the same. For example, we've seen the use of gifts today. Tristan, remarkable gifts, playing for us. And what happened? We were blessed. That's how a spiritual gift works. When you use it, we are blessed. The choir, gifts of singing, or at least enthusiasm. (laughs) No, you guys are great. Gifts of singing. And when they use them, what happens? We are blessed, powerfully blessed. Other gifts, gifts of organization that make something like this possible. Gifts of kindness that greet you when you come through the door. Gifts of hospitality that invite you home. So many gifts given as the Spirit directs. The sad thing is only one or two get them, right? No. Listen to this, verse 7. Now to just a couple, the manifestation. Is that right? No. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There is no one here when filled with the Holy Spirit is not enabled to do things for the kingdom of God. Now, understand this, the last part of that. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for them to have fun with all by themselves. No. You see, the gifts are not your private toy, the gifts of the Spirit are given so that the church might be blessed. In truth, you could say the gifts are actually given through us to the church. And if we keep them to ourselves, you know what we're doing? We're withholding the blessing of the Holy Spirit from the world. We don't want to do that, do we? Because the Spirit is poured out through us to the church, to the world. They're given for the common good. Okay, so there's gifts. What else happens when the Spirit comes on me? What else do I become? Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what are the desires of the flesh? Well, that's the reason you get baptized. That's what you repent of. And you come up to new life. Not a life without challenge, not a life without stumbles, but a life that is now aligned towards a desire to please God rather than a desire to please myself through the desires of the flesh. When you walk by the Spirit, you gain a different picture of what your life can be. What else? Galatians 5, verse 22 But the fruit of the Spirit, this is what it looks like when you have changed, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is what happens to your life when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You start living with love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So what would I become if the Holy Spirit fell on me? Well, for one thing, gifted in a way that blesses people. Second, covered in the fruit of the Spirit that would make me someone others would want to be around. I mean, don't you want to be around people that are filled with love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? If there's a group like that, sign me up. Oh, wait, there is that's us what would I become if the Holy Spirit fell upon me what would you become you'd become awesome exactly the kind of person I would want to be with so we've talked about this in this question Lord pour out your Holy Spirit upon me needs to be our prayer. So what we're going to do here is I want you to read something with me. I'm going to read it to you. You Don't do it unless you mean it. But then I want you to read it with me. Here it is. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon me today. I will use the gifts you give to build up your church, and I will bear the fruit of the Spirit in my life to bring you glory. If you want that, read that with me. Let's do it now. Lord, pour out Your Holy Spirit upon me today. I will use the gifts You give to build up Your church. And I will bear the fruit of the Spirit in my life to bring You glory. All right. now you know what it says. Now let's do it again. Here we go. Lord, pour out Your Holy Spirit upon me today. I will use the gifts You give to build up Your church. And I will bear the fruit of the Spirit in my life to bring You glory." But now you remember God had to lower that sheet three times to Peter to convince Him it was the real deal. So we need to do it one more time. Only this time, this time it's a prayer. So pray this with me. Lord, Pour out your Holy Spirit upon me today. I will use the gifts you give to build up your church, and I will bear the fruit of the Spirit in my life to bring you glory. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 1 Paul Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace and peace to you There's so much story there Paul Silas and Timothy You remember, the only reason it's Paul and Silas is because Paul and Barnabas had sharp words over Mark. Remember how we talked about that? Is it possible that the Holy Spirit can even use conflict within the church to accomplish good? Because that's how it became Paul and Silas. And the missionary teams doubled that day. And Timothy, the young man, you remember Timothy? Paul and Silas set out on their journey and they traveled through and they came across this young man, Timothy, whose mother and grandmother were strong in the faith, even though his father was a Greek and apparently not a believer. So much so that it was as though Timothy became a spiritual son of Paul. Paul invested in him and Timothy became a great leader in God's church to the church of the Thessalonians why was there a church in Thessalonica well it was because Paul heeded the leading of the Holy Spirit and didn't go into Asia where he was planning to go but followed the Spirit until he saw the vision of the man of Macedonia who said, come over and speak to us. Well, that's where Thessalonica is, in Macedonia. So much story in just those words. Verse 2, We always thank God for all of you and continually, continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction all right we gotta unpack that right now because the gospel came to you what is the gospel the story of the life the death the resurrection of Jesus repentance in his name and being filled with the Holy Spirit that's the gospel message and when Paul brought this message the the gospel came not simply with words but with power Now, I hope as you're sitting here today, you're not a Christian based simply on words. I hope you're not here because someone convinced you that you should probably do this. Now, words are important. But Paul says the gospel shouldn't come with just words. It should also come with power with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. This is why Paul says, God chose to use the foolishness of words, the foolishness of preaching, not because in and of itself it's enough to communicate the truth of the gospel. It's enough to say the words, but it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to turn a thought into a conviction. And you can see here that you could construct a plausible faith that was wholly missing in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You could get the baptism of John, the baptism for repentance, and you could have an intellectual assent to truth. But never actually enter into what God intended. Power in the Holy Spirit. He goes on, You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is important too. Maybe in a good setting, someone could convince you that church was a good idea. But if believing in Jesus was going to cost you, you're going to need something more than fancy words, aren't you? You're going to need to believe at a heart level that this matters. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's go a step further. Maybe some way you could muscle through a hard time. But could you go through a hard time with joy? Not without the Holy Spirit. For you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, and you, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere, even in Apopka, Florida. The faith of the Thessalonians lives. We know of it. You see, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power. You become famous for your faithfulness. And nearly 2,000 years later, people still tell the story. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception You gave us. They tell how You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. That's what we're doing, right? We're waiting for the Son of God to appear from heaven. Jesus, the One who rescues us. From the coming wrath. And how does it happen? Well, it happens because we've been filled up with the Holy Spirit. So, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit calls us, the Holy Spirit enables us to respond, the Holy Spirit enables us to believe, the Holy Spirit equips us with gifts the Holy Spirit covers us with fruit the Holy Spirit gives us power for living and the Holy Spirit fills us with joy this is what we become when the Holy Spirit falls upon us now most of you have one of these right a phone a smartphone These things can do a lot of stuff. I still have an old one. That way I don't have to learn new stuff. (laughs) But isn't that a little bit like the life of faith sometimes? So I've got this thing, and it can do amazing things. But you know what I do with it? I text. I make a phone call every now and then. Maybe I look something up. It can do more, can't it? That's the way our Christian life is. You're like the greatest smartphone ever invented. But only by the power of the Holy Spirit will you be able to use all your functions. You can go around and masquerade as a smartphone. Act like you're texting and making calls and so forth but only in the hands of one who knows what you can really be will you become everything you can be. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the day that the Holy Spirit fell for the first time on the church. Peter said these words, quoting from the book of Joel, in the last days, God says, I will pour out My Spirit On one or two people on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams even on my servants both men and women I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is why we have joy. This is what makes us glad. This is the confidence that the Holy Spirit brings to our hearts. This is the deep conviction that comes when we hear the story of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. This is where our hope lies. Do these things make you glad? Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not about the repentance from the acts of sin. Yes, repent, but don't stay under the water. Rise again to new life in the Spirit. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.